So there's something beautiful about that in your relationships as you're navigating your relationships with your kids, with your husband, with your girlfriends. I would just get the moon in the window. And if faith is a big deal for you, I'd get Jesus right in the window. I wouldn't be putting your friend or your husband or whoever else in the window. I'd put Jesus in the window. I'd keep aiming for that. And then I would bring people along with me. Welcome to the We Collide podcast. We're a growing community of everyday chicks colliding with Jesus in our mess, our pain, our joy, and our stories. We value showing up as we truly are, so that's what you'll find here. Walls and masks being torn down so that we can allow Jesus to meet us where we truly are and hear about other women doing the same. We can't wait to collide with you. there and welcome to the We Collide podcast. I'm Willow Weston, the founder and director of Collide. And if you're not familiar with Collide and you're just popping in here today, we're a community of just everyday chicks running into Jesus in our pain and brokenness and seeing Him bring about great transformation in our lives. And we invite you to collide with us. We invite women all over the place to collide, and we do this through Bible studies, both in-house where we're located, which is Bellingham, Washington, but we've also written and published some Bible studies. We have a mentoring program and a counseling program where we're inviting women to say yes to wholeness. We offer classes and resources and all sorts of outreach, but one of the big things that we do around here is that we have conferences that we put on for hundreds of women in our home base here. And these conferences are life-changing where women of all ages gather together and powerfully collide with Jesus and leave forever changed. And you guys are in for a treat today because we're sharing with you the audio from our most recent event where we invited our new friend Bob Goff to come and share about what it means to love everybody always. He just came out with an amazing book that if you haven't read, you should certainly read called Everybody Always. And I got the opportunity at our last event to do a Q&A session with Bob. And that's what we have for you today. For those of you that weren't at the event, you have to know that we pulled a prank on Bob when he came out and he walked out actually with tissues for me because I had just gotten done giving a pretty vulnerable message and he was so sweet to hand those to me. But as he walked out, we dropped a huge amount of plastic crocodiles out of the ceiling to pull a prank on him, which is a book reference from one of his books. And I will talk about that in the Q&A, but we can't wait for you to hear all the treasures of wisdom and the beautiful stories that Bob shares today. So check this out. Without further ado, right, I get to introduce you to the husband of Maria Goff, the New York Times bestselling author, the honorary consul for the Republic of Uganda for the United States, the coolest lawyer on the planet, and the founder of Love Does, an organization that pursues justice for women and children in conflict areas. This man has an office on Tom Sawyer's island in Disneyland, because why not? 
right? And he shares his phone number with everyone, and he's sharing his night with us tonight. He's whimsical, pumped about parades, and seems to carry balloons, buckets, and medals everywhere he goes. He'll make you laugh, he'll make you cry, and most of all, he'll inspire you to live this call out that God has on your life to love as he shares what that call looks like in his life. So will you guys welcome me with great joy and gratitude, Bob Goff. I make people I cry. cry at any time. It's a gift of mine. Yeah. Here, we could share. That's We're right. big on recycling around yeah, here in Bellingham. It's on. like a big thing. Me Which was Sweet. Like, I like going. this. Okay. Oh my gosh. Hi, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, so for those of you that have not read Bob Goff's book, he, the reason why we dropped crocodiles here is that he writes a chapter in his book about how he got asked to speak somewhere in the Midwest or something by a guy with a southern accent, and you thought that he asked you to show up to a croc drop. Croc drop, yeah. And you were stoked. I'm like, yes. Right. And so you, you <laughs> went there, people on the way and down. there weren't crocodiles, to no. your dismay. No, it was a crop drop. I'm like potatoes. I'm like rat. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that close. And so really, like, we practiced this. This just happened. And it was glorious, and they all fell down separate and stuff. No, but for this you, is... they just all wanted to come together. No, this like... is good. These are going to look great in the overhead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay, so you are a New York Times best-selling author. Did you ever think that your books would would do this. No, of course not. I can barely spell cat. <laughs> so you have a good editor. Yeah, no, actually, I don't because they're, um, the, it wouldn't sound like me. Uh, yeah. That if you uh, had somebody else who were writing these things, that it would just sound like them rather than me. So I just kind of like, it's very tedious. But the deal was this, this publisher said, will you write a book? And I said, I don't know, will you build a school? I'll trade you. <laughs> one school for one book. And they said, well, tell me about the school. And I said, all right, a thousand child soldiers in northern Uganda and a hundred teachers. And they said, big school. I said, big book. <laughs> and I made them pay me in advance. I didn't know if it'd stink, but... Yeah, that's how it happened. Literally, wow. if I made cupcakes, people would die. But uh, like one typo, like no big deal. <laughs> so I read Everybody Always this summer. Yeah. And my husband walked in one day. Because one second I'm laughing, one second I'm crying. And he walks in the living room and he's like, what is wrong with you? And I was like, Bob Goff is wrong with me. Yeah. <laughs> and then I handed him the book and he read it in two days, took a selfie, which is super weird for him, and sent it to all his bros and then they all read the yes. book. So yes. your, your people love you. Yeah, so if you just decide, what, one of the things that I found... Um, uh, out in doing the uh, the book was that the best chapter titles come later. 
Uh, so when I turned in the manuscript, it actually didn't have a name, and none of the chapters had titles. Because if you've experienced, say, rejection, somebody said, I don't want to do this relationship with you, you would probably title that chapter Rejection, but a little bit later, you'd probably call it more accurately Release. Right? There might be mm -hmm. something that hurts your feelings where you're deeply wounded, and you would write that chapter and say, I'm out. But just give it a little bit, and you'll probably retitle that more accurately, I'm back. Mm -hmm. um, so what I uh, do is I just write all the words and then just find better titles later. And I try to do that in my life, too, instead of trying to figure out in real time what's going on, because we've all been wounded and we're so touched by your story. But I think God writes these better chapter titles for us. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I've kind of been joking around calling you the love guru or the poster child for love, but <laughs> is that feeling like a lot of pressure? No, actually, I think all of us uh, want the same things. We want love and purpose and connection and a couple authentic relationships. I don't know if the list is much longer, but for me, that's about it. Like to have to experience love, to be cared for, and then to have connection, like the kind of connections that you're making, not just with the people that you've met, but the people that you might meet. And then to have some, a couple authentic relationships, like the kind that you were sharing, which would be authentic relationships. Hmm. Yeah. I want to have those conversations with people, and so I just have some of mine in writing. Hmm. That's cool. So was there a moment for you that's kind of like pre-Bob Goff getting love and post-Bob Goff getting love? Yeah, well, I'm thinking uh, we all change over time. And, uh, and thankfully so. That's the idea of being new creation. Like, so I'm going to be 60 in February. And, uh, and I've left uh, Sweet Maria this morning. We have goodbye at the airport. And uh, she actually doesn't even know where I am. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. Yeah. Should we call her real no, quick? No, we never... We could. But she wouldn't answer the phone, unlike me. But one of the things... <laughs> <laughs> One of the things that we decided to do in our relationship, I bet 30 years ago, is we decided we were taking geography off the table. You know, we don't want to talk about like where we are. We want to talk about who we are. We don't want to talk about career. We want to talk about character. And so we talk uh, really about how we're feeling less than what we're doing. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Like just talk about how you're feeling. So even when you go home with your husbands or boyfriends, or like, you got to pick one. It's another discussion. But like, <laughs> but uh, I just got that. I'm, I'm just saying. Slow. <laughs> like, um, but talk about how you're feeling about things. Don't say, I want a hamburger. Say, I'm feeling hungry. It's like carving a new little groove in your brain. And I'll tell you, you get to decide in your relationships what you're just not going to talk about. And so when people ask Sweet Maria Goff, where's Bob? <clears throat> she always says, he's on his way home. Because <laughs> I'm always on my way home. So what if we're that, that we continue to return to the people that we love? And then here's the trick. Once you're home, not just be in proximity with each other, but to be present with each other. And I can say women typically are a lot better at that than we are as men, but to just be present. We play catch with a softball when we're at home and talking. I don't even like baseball, but we play catch. If you answer your cell phone, you lose teeth. It's like that idea of being present with each other. So being present, talking about how you're feeling about what's happened to the day. Get your husband's mood rings. <laughs> Get them for your children for a dollar and a half. Say, why did it turn blue? 
And there's something beautiful you're talking about we can actually pick what we talk about. One of the reasons that uh, I've enjoyed writing books is you get to pick what you're talking about. And I, after Love Does, I was supposed to have a, another book written and I was five years late. <laughs> I just didn't have anything to say. <laughs> I'm like all out. I had another book that was due August 31st. I'm like, but I haven't even written one word. <laughs> Sue me. Like. <laughs> so they just call you every week, or what's yeah, like, like? Where's the book? I'm like, nope. <laughs> but I think I, I've read some books that uh, because somebody was on a deadline, not because they actually had something to say. And I think particularly I would speak to you women that your words really have a lot of weight. Um, and the way that you say what you say really matters in the hearts of your kids and the men that love you. And it's just crazy. If you want an experiment, walk into a room full of, full of men and just say, I feel really safe around you. Every guy in the room would be like, yeah. <laughs> it's like a card trick. And so, knowing, knowing that your words have that much power, I'd be uh, really careful about what you say. You know, one of the women, I put my cell phone number on the last page of the book. It's been awesome. There's two million people with my cell phone number. And there was a woman that called and she said, a friend gave me this book. And, uh, and she had read it, and she's going in for a brain operation. She got a tumor in her brain. And I said, well, are, you know, are you worried going into this? She said, here's the deal. When they go and operate on the tumor, they take out the part of my brain that lets me speak. Can you imagine that if you had two days to talk to anybody for the rest of your life? And, and so I said, what are you saying to your friends? And you know what she said? I'm being really picky about what I say. And so James... Uh, three, this idea with our tongues, we can praise God and curse men. I'm actually trying to be really picky about what I say, what I write. I want to actually mean what I say. Mean what, when I'm singing songs along with the worship band, I only sing the words I mean uh, because I don't want to be like singing things to God that I don't mean. What I do is I just assume you mean it and I let you carry me along. <laughs> no, really. And then I, my desire to be able to sing every verse, every word. Um, but to be so self-aware that you actually know where you're at. Uh, and there's a beautiful thing that comes from that. When we have women that actually know where they're at, and men too, but I'm telling you, women drive so much of what's going on. I am the Consul General for the Republic of Uganda. You know what Uganda did? They fired every male ambassador on earth. And they replaced them with women. Because <laughs> guys have conversations, women make moves. Yeah. Wow. It's crazy. So your words, use your words. <laughs> Uh, with people wisely. Hmm. Who would you say is the, has been the single most influential person in your life? The single most influential woman, Sweet Maria Goff. And it isn't, we don't call her Sweet Maria because we're trying to talk her into it. If you met her, she's just like so <laughs> angelic. Um, but for a man, some of you may have read Don Miller's books. Uh, he wrote A Million Miles in a Thousand Years and Blue Like Jazz. So Don has been a really important person in my life uh, because he's really authentic. And that's what I get back to. Um, you know, I know an astronaut, but he wasn't the most influential. It was impressive that he like did spacewalks. But what impresses me is people that are willing to be vulnerable, to just say, you know, I don't care what my faith looks like. I want to talk about what it is. Uh, and I think God is dazzled with my big words. He's uh, wowed by big love. Hmm. Wow, and you made Donald Miller's a chapter in his book, 
Did yeah, you know? I didn't even know. He didn't ask. <laughs> oh, so, really? Yeah. Wow, I think he should build a school for you somewhere. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> He's terrific. Uh, you know, I so many of us read your books, and we're inspired, and we want to walk out into the world and, and love people. Have you ever experienced a relationship that wounded you, and, and it kind of threatened your capability to love well? Oh, yeah. I think, you know, here I'm a guy that writes books about loving people really well. I have a sister that I haven't spoken to in 32 years, two months, and three weeks. I know that because she came to my wedding. And, uh, and I don't know what she's like right now. I remember 32 years ago, she was mean as a rattlesnake. Um, and so there's some people in your life that are just, you just need to keep a little space with. I'm not throwing her under the bus. I actually don't know her, but... Uh, one of my friends, Don, told me, you know, it's been a couple decades. What if you were to reach out to her? And so I wrote a letter to her. I didn't say, like, what did I miss? I, like, I just, I wrote a letter, <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and I didn't hear back from her. And uh, I just assumed that she's dealing with her stuff. Like, we're all insecure. We just deal with it. Now, writing the letter didn't make me the hero, and not hearing back didn't make me uh, the victim. It just made me a participant. And if we're moved from like observers to participants, that's where the good stuff happens. Like that's where you grow. That's why this idea of loving everybody always, not just some people sometimes, because mm-hmm. that's easy. I mean, loving you, that's low hanging fruit, right? Because yeah, who, would, a, who wouldn't love you? Yeah. <laughs> but find somebody who actually creeps you out. Here's the crazy part. <laughs> you know who you are, but like... <laughs> The crazy part is that we're the people that creep some other people out. I think we're all, to a greater or lesser extent, a kind of an acquired taste. Um, and so I just assume that people are just dealing with their own stuff. And, and they're growing at different rates. I mean, I keep putting things in the microwave, and God keeps putting them back in the crock pot. <laughs> Rats! <laughs> if you want a radish, that it takes one seed in 20 days. If you want a pear, it takes one seed in seven years. And I keep uh, trying to hurry up what God's doing in somebody else's life. And what Sweet Marie, among other things, she's taught me is to keep my eyes on my own paper and not to be rushing it for somebody else, but to just look inward to say, what's God doing in me? And how do I be the newest creation uh, in me, the humblest next version of me? Hmm. Wow. So you talk about loving in 30-second increments. And I'm wondering what your advice is on loving in like 30-year increments. You know, when you think about your sister and we all have relationships like that where it's the long haul, love for the long haul. Yes, it's, it's about kind of like seeing who people are becoming and there will be some relationships that you have that will be fractured and I just believe in God's power to restore those at some point, but we need to be available to do our part in there. And there's people, again, that will be just toxic to you and you ought to keep your distance from, but there's a lot fewer of them than we think there are. Uh, Just because someone is difficult, it just means that they're different most of the time. That God's up to something different in their life. Like, when you take it, uh, on Saturday, there's going to be a wedding planner and she's going to be praying for sunshine. And what's the farmer praying for? Yeah. And it doesn't, if it rains a couple drops, it doesn't mean God doesn't like the bride. He's just up to something different in somebody else's life 
than he's up to in the farmer's life. And so that's what I'm trying to do, is to just chill out a little bit, not be trying to figure And listen, I pick juries for a living. I'm right for a living. <laughs> You'd know if we were arguing, because I'd be winning. Um, but, <laughs> but I'm not trying to be right. I'm trying to be Jesus. And there's a big difference. It'll take a quarter of a twist to get there in the way that we deal with people. It'll be some small little movements. I got a call from a guy last week and he said, Bob, tell me the one thing about relationships. It's a terrific question. <laughs> totally unreasonable. I said, <laughs> you know, like asking an astronaut, what's the one thing about getting to the moon? <laughs> I'm like, I don't know, arrive? <laughs> But there are more parts to that. I'd say get a good rocket. <laughs> Don't spend a lot of time talking about the color of your rocket ship, right? Find some other people that you want to travel with, right, for a while. And then what I would do, what I would do is get the moon in the window. <laughs> I would just keep aiming for the moon, right? And so there's something beautiful about that in your relationships as you're navigating your relationships with your kids, with your husband, with your girlfriends. I would just get the moon in the window. And if faith is a big deal for you, I'd get Jesus right in the window. I wouldn't be putting your friend or your husband or whoever else in the window. I'd put Jesus in the window. I'd keep aiming for that. And then I would bring people along with me. And I'm a lousy evangelical because I don't think we lead people to Jesus. I think Jesus leads people to Jesus. Our job, love people. Be picky about what we say. Hmm. Get the moon in the window. Hmm. So, you know, I don't know. I th you must have heard something because you brought me some tissue. I did. But I was back to it. was really just, touching. <laughs> I was no, going for that. But what so I was going to say is, is that we are talking tonight about this idea of loving from a place of knowing you're loved. And yeah. I was wondering if you would be willing to share with us that if you think back on your life to the first time that you felt unlovable, what was that like? And if you could go back to that guy, that kid, what would you want to say to yourself? Yeah, I think uh, I spent um, a lot of times, like I've, I've figured out there were girls and there were boys uh, in junior high and all that, but I just never had anybody that wanted to hang out with me. <laughs> I mean, uh, Sweet Maria Goff was my second girlfriend, like ever. <laughs> I was 26 and out of law school, so didn't have a lot of experience with that, but I knew what it felt like to be loved by my grandmother. I knew what her love was. And, uh, and the times when I'd feel really awkward and really like, kind of like, why am I so lame? Because I was really enthusiastic, like that kid. I was really happy. I feel like always experiment. I had no eyebrows. They would burn off. Like I just, <laughs> I was thinking, and I was ricocheting. Like I'm just exploding stuff all the time. And, and then, so I... Um, she just accepted me for who I was. She saw who I was turning into, just like you mentioned, like Jesus to Peter. He didn't say, you're such a wuss. What do you mean you don't know me, the rooster? He said, Peter, you're a rock. He's, he saw who I was turning into, and I think that's when I've experienced the most love. When I, when I had somebody that saw me in a way that I didn't see myself yet. And I would say for each of you, like God sees you for the women that you're turning into, not all the things that you've been but who you're becoming. I think that's the trick to love. Loving without an agenda for seeing, it's not just optimism, it's just seeing clearly that you're on this adventure and you're evolving. Um, 
And so Maria did that for me. Uh, and I liked her, but she didn't like me back as much as I liked her. I like, my prayer is just if she could like me half as much as I like her. Like, like, I liked her enough for both of us. Um, but then at some point, she, I think she saw who I was turning into, which was a better version of me. And, and she's still waiting. <laughs> like, she's just, like, patient. And when I mess up, she doesn't wave a bony finger at me. She just sees. She actually has a picture of, of me when I was eight years old. And when I screw up, which happens from time to time, um, she'll get that picture out and she'll just see little insecure Bobby Goff. He's just an older version of that. And what if we did that for the people that we love? That just to see them, it's just for a little bit that they're this person that's still emerging and working through their stuff. I'm not saying give people license to do whatever they want in your life, but to be a little bit kinder, a little bit more grace-filled. Yeah, those are the people that have affected me the most. What would you want to say to eight-year-old insecure Bobby Goff, if you could? Oh, it'll work. <laughs> it'll work. It'll yeah, work. that thing. Yeah, it'll work. Uh, and most of us are either reflections of or reactions to the people we were closest to. Wouldn't you agree? It was just like, so I go to the South for long enough, I start saying y'all. <laughs> a total of nobody in Southern California says y'all. And that's rounding up. I mean, like, never. Uh, but I say it because I'm a reflection of those people, but I'm also a reaction. Like, I was raised by parents who were very... Uh, like nervous about everything. They're always scared of things. And so I'm a reaction to that. Um, I grew up in a family where there weren't a lot of hugs, actually none. And so I'm a reaction to that. I like hug people. Um, oh, their words like, I love you, weren't spoken a lot. It didn't mean that they didn't love me. It was just, I'm a react. Guys that write books called Love Does are reactions to that. <laughs> so my thought is this. What if we're beautiful reactions to what's happened to us. There's been some pain that we've all gone through, some sense of loss. Be a beautiful reaction to that. You don't have to react in anger, which you could react to some little self-care and healing, knowing that there's been some tough stuff, and not go it alone. I mean, I've had a counselor that I've spoken to. That's not shame. That's just beautiful. Mm -hmm. Get another tool in the tool chest to reach for. Like, that's just a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. So how do you know God loves you? How, how are you certain? How are you sure that God loves you? Yeah, I have not heard God's audible voice yet. I've been keep asking. I'm like <laughs> one sentence. I won't tell anybody. I'll tell everybody. <laughs> one word. Let me buy a vowel. Anything. Like, but I think this idea, uh, I've written about that before, that God doesn't pass us messages. I think he gives us each other. And so what I've seen is the presence of God in people's lives. And then it's guided a lot of what I do. Oh, and it starts like you guys know this idea of uh, loving your neighbor that you talked about so well. Like the reason I wear this stupid Red Sox hat, I'm not a Red Sox fan. I've never even gone to a game. <laughs> But my neighbor, Carol, was a huge Red Sox fan. And she, we knew she was going to be with Jesus by the end of the week. And so we made a deal. And I said, Carol, I'll wear your Red Sox hat for the rest of my life. But in exchange, you need to mention my name to Jesus every time he walks by you. 
<laughs> There's a verse that said, I knew you not. I'm like, Carol! So, so know why you're doing what you're doing. And if we can realize people's pain, I mean, during this World Series, which again, for a guy who's never gone to a baseball game, like people would hiss at me because they were rooting for the Dodgers. And if they actually knew the story about Carol, they wouldn't have done that. Right? And I think if we actually knew other people's pain, we wouldn't be reacting to them. The way when they say something super lame, we could just maybe have uh, the grace enough to say they're probably battling something pretty fierce uh, and it's coming out in a really awkward way. So I'm making it sound like I've got that figured out. Uh, I'm not there, but I've got, I know where I'm headed. Like I'm keeping the moon in the window. Well, I have a few more questions to ask you. In a room full of women who can sometimes struggle to feel like they're lovable, what would be the one thing that you would want to say to us? I, I think you ought to know your name. Like of uh, every single name in scripture that you could be called, they called you the bride of Christ. Isn't that crazy? Like that you're actually the bride. And uh, you know, have you ever gone to a wedding and maybe your husband's sitting next to you and the bride walks down the aisle and he holds like 6.5 and say like, I've seen better. Like, <laughs> of course not. <laughs> what makes the bride look terrific is that the groom knows everything about her. He can't wait to spend forever with her. And that's how God feels about you. He just can't wait to spend forever. He wants to see the new birth. He knows all the stuff that's happened. And yet, you're his bride. And what we need to do is get our eyes off of each other back on the groom. And that's when it gets really good. And so I would say uh, to a group of women, your voices really, really matter. They actually carry far. I live down on the bay with Sweet Maria, and people know where we live now, and they come by on their boats, and they talk about me. <laughs> It's so awkward because they don't know I can hear what they're saying because <laughs> their voices carry over the water. And here's what I'm finding. I'm finding in the world that humble voices carry further. And women of God, if you want your voice to carry far, just be humble. But being humble doesn't mean being silent. You raise your voice. And you just say, it'll be a declaration of faith, every selfless act of love. You know who you are, and you say, this is what I'm meant to do. I'm going to go do that, and I'm not letting people stand in my way. But you don't do it. You have all the attitude you want. It just needs to be the attitude of Christ. <laughs> right? <laughs> just that. Just that. Yeah, no big thing. On page 27 of Everybody Always, which, by the way, if you don't have a copy of his book, Go to bobgoff.com. Yes? Yes. To get your book. <laughs> You've never bought your own book? Okay, I'm pretty sure I did the research. That's where you, you go. go. Used you want to get, get a one book. for a nickel. This is, what, <laughs> this is what you say. He says, I don't know if the streets of heaven are lined in gold, but I'm kind of hoping they're lined with balloons. At the end of the parade, I bet we'll find Jesus blowing us kisses, rubbing our noses, and welcoming us to the next neighborhood. I just hope I get a house next to Carol's. Yeah. Uh, you made me fall apart, Bob. <laughs> and I'm wondering when you get to the perfect place and you hand God a balloon, what will you say to him? Oh, man. I just, uh, I think I would ask him, what did I miss? Because Matthew 25 is one of the few scriptures that talks about what that moment will be. And it talks about sheep and goats, but he means like me and you. 
And remember, he said, I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger. I was kind of creepy and you invited me in. <laughs> I, was, I was sick and you comforted me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was in jail and you came. So that's it. I would just say, uh, what did I miss? And I, I think what it's going to be is this beautiful un, unlearning of things that we thought we had pegged, like gay, straight, Buddhist, Baptist. I just think there's just going to be this beautiful unlearning. I think that's why eternity is going to take so long. <laughs> and another thing, like, no, no, that guy, <laughs> no. So... So I'm just going to be ready. I don't think it's just going to be, I don't think it's uh, about humiliation. I think it's going to be a loving father that says, yeah, you just didn't know it was me. That was me, that person that creeped you out. That was actually me. And what I've done is I've spent my whole life avoiding the people Jesus spent his whole life engaging. And so what I'm trying to do is just engage some of these people with love and a little bit more compassion and empathy uh, because I don't think Jesus is going to woodshed us in heaven, but I think I just want to anticipate that, like, what did I miss? And he gave you a lot of direction in Matthew 25. Mm -hmm. um, so it'll be the people that you've avoided that you'd be like, or you were just polite to. That he goes like, oh, I just didn't need polite. I actually wanted love. Hmm. Wow. Well, you write in your book, and I have to get something because we have something for you, but you write in your book about how you were in a taxi, right? Yeah. And the guy was about to retire. Am I right? Yeah. Am I getting an A? And like, I'm writing the book report or whatever. And so you just said, let's switch seats. Yes. And you switch seats and you drive around and he tells you all about his, yeah, limo his life. And, and we you, swap places. Yeah, and your whole thing, which is so profound, is that Christians ought not to be these people who walk around and tell everybody everything they need to do differently, but we should walk around and tell people who they are. Bingo. Right? Yep. And so tonight, we want to tell you who you are because you're spending so much time telling other people who they are. Oh. And so we had this hand-graved uh, medal made oh. for you, and we might have some for the ladies later. And it says, you are loved because you are an inspiration. Thank you. And a child of God oh, that's wow. changing kids. So thank you. thank you. Wasn't that amazing? I mean, I... I feel like I could listen to Bob Goff talk all day long. When I was interviewing him, I just wanted to have a journal and a pen and write down all of his quotes and reference his stories so that I could skim back and look later. And one second I'm cracking up and the next second I feel like crying and the next second I feel like getting up and I don't know, waving my spirit fingers and yelling amen. But he was an amazing man to meet in person, to learn from and to gather from. And I hope today somehow this interview with Bob blessed you and we would love to hear from you. What stood out from this Q&A? What tips do you have for loving everybody always? Leave a review on iTunes. We would love that. Or go comment on our social to get the conversation going. And may we be a people that continue to love everybody always because that is what God can use to change the world. If you're looking for ways to connect with us or find out about our next event or want to find us on social, I would go to Instagram at we.collide or you can go to our website at wecollide.net.
Our upcoming event is February 2nd here in Bellingham, Washington, and we'd love to have you show up and collide with us. Until next time, keep colliding with Jesus, and we'll catch you next week.